It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, it was a fun Sunday uh, for the Cowboys and across the league. Did you enjoy the, the games this week? <clears throat> I, you know, I went out of my way to comment on how I love Cowboy games where there there feels like there's no uh, butterflies before the game, <laughs> right? Right. You know, and, and and just like and like oh, it's you know, it's just kind of I'm just gonna watch the game and it's not gonna. Who cares about the outcome really? Ultimately, um, uh, that was clearly not the case as I was standing on the edge of my couch, standing on the edge of my couch, uh, what while the Cowboys were doing that last drive, and then of course on the two point conversion. So yeah, I enjoyed it, but I you know. I didn't get exactly the calm um, Sunday morning game that I thought I would, especially since it was very clear that the Cowboys were in it to win it. Like throughout the game, they 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 clearly with the players that they had allotted for the game, they were doing whatever they could to try to win that game. Yeah, so I was at my fiance's Christmas party, and because I knew the game wasn't going to be a stressful one, I didn't really even worry about it. I was, you know, eating food, talking to you know, her, <laughs> some of her family, and then we got to the fourth quarter, and I'm like standing in front of my TV. There's no <laughs> cell phone service or internet at this house. And they're probably thinking, "What in the world is this madman doing watching uh, this cowboy game? It doesn't mean anything." But um, it was a lot of fun. That was one of the more fun games that I can remember, in it, especially for a Week 17 game. Uh, the Cowboys won 36-35. It took an incredible throw by Dak Prescott uh, to to basically give the Cowboys a chance to win it on a two point conversion. Uh, they did that to Michael Gallup. We've got so much to talk about today. I don't even know where to start, but let's let's kind of go start with just a big picture thing. Uh, the Cowboys went into this game 
or into the week basically saying we're going to handle this like a playoff game. And then kind of as the week went along, you started to hear whispers that maybe Ezekiel Elliott won't play. Maybe Zach Martin uh, won't play. And uh, those two didn't, and Tyron Smith didn't play at all. Do you agree, first of all, with that decision to to rest some of those guys? <clears throat> yeah, I've always thought that at least Garrett's way of doing things, and, and I, the way I, I, I feel similarly about it, is that you – play and prepare prepare like it's uh, you know it's a regular game or, uh, that you need to win that you know that the, the stakes are the same and th- there isn't any difference i mean i don't the problem is how do you create a culture of winning and then you know go into one of these say football games, games don't matter yeah, yeah. And say games don't matter like especially when we all turn around and judge these guys by their record and you think Absolutely. that because of that the, 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 all the talk about eight and eight jason garrett like he's going to turn around and sacrifice a, a game against the division rival at the end of the season just because it doesn't improve their playoff uh, you know position what this ultimately did you know just we'll see how everything comes out but it, it basically the team came out without injury basically but what this b- did for the psyche of the offense and for the you know just for the team in general i have to feel coming out of this i think is incredibly valuable i mean i think it's 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 a net positive over having just a buy pretending that there wasn't a game this week you know i think that there is momentum now and i i'm one of those that believes in momentum and at least how you feel about yourself affects how you play absolutely yep and 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 i think that you know what ultimately we saw this week was this cowboys offense getting their groove back because suddenly um, some of these players who have been kind of slow burns getting, you know, themselves into the, the offense and getting themselves acclimated into the NFL. Uh, and, and some guys that have come back, like Beasley, uh, you know, found their way back into this offense um, and, and t- were able to take advantage of all the attention that was being paid you know, on, on Cooper and that sort of thing. So we'll get into all, all the specifics, obviously. And here's here's kind of my overarching point with this. If you saw those guys on the sideline after Gallup caught that touchdown yeah. or the two-point conversion, that it's not like this game didn't mean anything for them. You can tell that they wanted to win it. They put in a hard week of practice this week, and yeah. to win a game like that, uh, it was just incredibly exciting. And then, hey, I got to give credit to Anthony Brown for closing out that game. I made wow. a fantastic play later. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to talk about the offense. Uh, no, again, no Ezekiel Elliott, no Tyron Smith. No Zach Martin. Xavier Suafilo got banged up halfway through this game. They were actually uh, practicing a little bit on the sideline with uh, Karan Reed to you know, potentially come in the game because of you know, just the lack of numbers there. Mm-hmm. And yet Dak Prescott goes out there, completes 27 of 44 passes for 387 yards and four touchdowns. I think you can make a case that this might have been his best game of the season, uh, considering what he had to work with and you know some of the situations he was in. But what did you see from Prescott on Sunday? I mean, it's hard not to step away and look at it as maybe his best game of his career. I mean, I mean, just from a numbers oh, yeah. wise, numbers wise exclusively, I mean, four touchdowns and three hundred eighty-seven yards. Uh, I think it was incredible. You know, he, you know, it wasn't all com- completely pretty, but it's it's never been all completely pretty with Dak Prescott before. Uh, but it was uh, definitely at the end of this game, it was all on Dak. I mean, he had a hodgepodge of different people playing offensive line in front of him. 
Um, and he was able to, uh, I mean, he was able to get it down to around to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different targets. Uh, you know, get the ball right. around to eleven different people, and uh, was able to have, get a couple of guys have career days. But I, I think if we're just talking exclusively about what Dak was able to do. You know, without Ezekiel Elliott, without Tyron Smith, without Zach Martin, um, he was able to go in there and uh, and you know, with all the focus on Cooper, his the guy that you know that he would want to lean on here, he was able to find his other guys in big times, you know, in big plays, and, and you know, so, certain guys that we've seen before, Beasley, um, a big play to Hearns down the field for a forty-nine yarder when he needed him, uh, but. You know, and then we'll talk about uh, you know my my boy, my son, my, my <laughs> son, my son. My, that's my Michael Irvin voice. <laughs> my son, uh, Blake Jarwin. Um, I, I think you know th- th- what Dak did was show that uh, you know, I, I, and everyone's just trying to get him out of the game, get out of the game, get out of the game. But Dak wanted to stay in and show that you know get this passing game right. And ultimately, I think what they did, especially by playing him throughout the fourth quarter, is it answered a lot of these questions about red zone def- uh, offense or at least it gave a com- more momentum to that it gave confidence that they have answers now there and they gave confidence that they have answers in the passing game in general that Dak can do that if required of him you know and so um I, like i said from from exclusively from the things that they were trying to accomplish by keeping Dak Prescott in this game, I think you know the the like the subjects the the trying to get the passing game better, trying to get the red zone game better. I, I think that they, it was a wild success, you know, and, and so that's that's the best part about this win for me. Yeah, we can talk a lot about Prescott's performance, but to me, the two plays that basically stand out: a third and twelve touchdown in the red zone to Blake Jarwin. And then the fourth and 15th throw to Cole Beasley uh, for the touchdown at the end of the game. Those are situations where everybody in the stadium knows that you're going to throw the ball, and yet Prescott finds a way to make a play. Uh, Just an incredible performance by Prescott. All right, let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk about the Cowboys' future Hall of Fame tight end in Blake (laughs) Jarwin. This episode of the Locked on Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, skis, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an Action Heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, For our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Landon, before we talk too much about Jarwin, I want to I give you a list of some players. Are you ready? Yeah, give me a list. This is in the Cowboys history. The players that have had at least 110 receiving yards and three touchdowns in a single game. Amari Cooper this year against Philadelphia. Michael Irvin, Bob Hayes, Terrell Owens, Michael Irvin, Des Bryant, and Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin, (laughs) the star of today's game. Obviously, as you can see with that list, uh, we're talking about a a, a potential Pro Bowl, all-pro tight end here, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think he might beat Witten into the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying. I mean, I, if he, even if he doesn't retire, like, I think they'll just be like, you know what? We got to put Jarwin in now. Sorry. Uh, just, yeah. I, you know, look, I, I, I'm, it, it's really, it's, it's this great combination of two things. It's, it's that I I suddenly can trust my eyes of what I saw in training camp a little bit better, Absolutely. which makes me feel makes me feel personally so much better. Because yeah, you and I have discussed this. Is that there's part of me that have you know that had lost a little bit of faith in some of the stuff that I had seen in training camp, and now as we get into the later part of the season, some of the stuff that I thought I'd seen early in this team started creeping back around. And Blake Jarwin was one of those things. Is that I thought I saw a guy who could go out there and be a playmaker and uh, a guy who could you know you know maybe not to be the force feed guy in your team but he could be a guy who could be a, a fantastic second or third option in the passing game on this team and i think what we saw today and what we've seen in the, and not just today and i think that you know this, it, this has been a slow build up to this which is again promising that this is not some flash in the pan right like this is right. an right. evolution of who this guy is um I think what we've seen is that he is that guy, you know, is that he can be that guy who is a mismatch player. And and frankly, again, it's not even so much who he is or what he does. It's what he does and where he is able with his skill set, where he's able to attack in the middle of the field up the seam uh, and, and able to, you know, make teams pay for drawing so much coverage outside to Cooper and drawing so much coverage to Ezekiel Elliott. So it, 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 getting a tight end who can run the seam, uh, and catch the ball of the field and make plays like that. That was the like the missing link between figuring out the red zone problems and and the passing game problems. So like if that really is something that can be a consistent threat. And let's not let's be clear, it's not just Jarwin. It's Schultz, too. Right. Schultz has shown us right. a lot in these last few weeks and shown us that he can also be a, a reliable tight end like that, a, a reliable pass-catching tight end who can do some things. So the fact that you're starting to see this now uh, you know, can obviously speak some good news for next year as well. But but I think even as soon as next week, we're going to see – it's something that the teams now have to think about at the very least, especially after this performance. Uh, how do we – you know, what are we going to do if we got to cover Cooper outside and Zeke in the box and then – Jarwin stretching us up the seam as well. Uh, it, it, it's a difficult situation to try to cover all all your bases there. 
Uh, so over the off season, we're going to have a lot of discussion about this tight end room. And, you know, the thing is we don't have all the, all the data yet, because obviously we're going to have another game uh, this coming week against Seattle. And again, we're going to preview that game all week long. Uh, so today we're just, we're just doing the Cowboy stuff, but over the off season, we're going to talk about that tight end position. And with the way that Jarwin has played over the last couple of games, and especially the way Schultz has played, I don't think it's as big of a need as what people may perceive it to be. Uh, you know, Jeff Swaim's a free agent, and he may or may not be back. But I think Schultz and Jarwin, at least that combination, has given you at least a, a spark, and it maybe makes you a little bit more optimistic going into next season. Um, I, I've always been a guy with tight ends. You need to give them lots of time to develop. The biggest jump you're going to see from a tight end is in year two. Uh, obviously, Schultz is going to be going into year two next year. Jarwin is going to be in his third year. But again, you're, you, he's a pretty raw young player that's just kind of starting to, to find his role in the team. His first year was really, like a red shirt, really. You know, right. it wasn't even like yeah, a Yeah, he was on season. the practice squad most yeah. of the time. I, yeah. I really like what these guys can do, kind of do in combination. Jarwin, Jarwin's never going to be a great blocker. But can he make enough plays in the passing game to to be worth a roster spot and to play 30, 40% of snaps? I think so. I think today was a perfect example of the ability that he can have if you give him targets down the field. I mean, I think two of his, his touchdowns were just, you know, or what, the one touchdown was just a great play after the catch. And then in the red zone, you're able to see some of his uh, his size and athleticism. So uh, hats off to Blake Jarwin. Uh, any other comments about the Cowboys offense today uh, that you noticed or any, anything you, any player you want to touch on? No, I think, I mean, you know, Beasley, I think, you know, again, coming in and just showing uh, out with great efficiency, six tar- targets, six receptions, um, the game, you know, the game winning two point conversion as well, uh, or touchdown rather. Um, I think his emergence uh, and Jarwin's emergence is probably not you know, coincidental. I think it's, you know, the, 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 the ability to attack the middle of that defense um, while they were focusing on what was going on outside. Uh, and, you know, they had an efficient day against the guys outside. I mean, as far as the Giants defensive backs, rather. Uh, Gallup and and, uh, and Cooper were not, you know, I think they had, combined had eight receptions on 17 targets, which isn't great. But, you know, no. uh, Gallup, Gallup was able to get 50 yards. And then on top of that, his uh, his uh, two-point conversion. And Cooper had, a, had kind of a struggling day, a day struggling with a, with a drop and a fumble that was questionable. I, I still cannot believe they didn't rule That's four progress, I mean, right? That was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, that was like – that was, I mean, they talk about player safety all the time. And they allowed him to like just sit there, stop – and then you know be thrown backwards, and then because they you know made the mistake of not ruling the play dead, uh, they you know they allowed the fumble. It was just absolutely restri- absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, anyways, for Beasley to be able to operate and Darwin to be able to operate again, I don't think it's co- uh, coincidental. I think that there was opportunities in the middle of the field. Uh, Dak was able to step up into pockets at times and throw, you know, strikes down the field to to Jarwin when they were close. And with Beasley, even when they knew that the inside the slant was coming, you know, it didn't feel like they could cover it. And and so uh, he was getting converting first downs. They were, you know, really really efficient on third downs. I mean, I, I can't, I don't think I have the numbers right in front of me, but uh, if you know, they were real doing a good job uh, of converting third downs. Overall. They were eleven they were 11 of seventeen the, on third yeah. down. 
65 percent so that's i mean that's it's really ridiculous. really good yeah so uh, yeah i think that was a big part of those but if you go back and look i, I would not be surprised if uh, of those 11 you know conversions Dak, i mean beasley and uh, jarwin had you know seven of eight of them you know i, I think between the two of them so um uh, i think that they were able to find room in the middle find room uh while the defense was trying to focus on the outside and make plays make the plays that were there they were both very efficient with 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 their receptions too that's the other thing both of them made great catches at different times Absolutely, yep. uh, and were able to finish which was a huge part of what what we needed to on those third down plays yeah, I remember, I think it was last week, we were talking about, we're just waiting for that game where Amari and Cole Beasley go off at the yeah. same time. Still haven't seen it yet, no. uh, but it, it does seem like it's going to be one of those things that's always going to be one or the other. Teams are going to try to take away Amari uh, with safety help, and then that's going to leave Beasley to, to dominate underneath. Today was just a game where they didn't have a player on their defense that could cover Cole Beasley. He goes off for six catches for 94 yards on six targets. Uh, just absolutely incredible by him. One more note on the Cowboys offense before we move on. Didn't do a lot today, but it was nice to see Tavon Austin back on the yeah. field, getting him at least some live reps uh, before the playoffs. That's going to be a guy that's going to have a rule uh, next week against Seattle. I can guarantee it. He's going to have a couple carries in that game and probably a couple receptions. It was nice to at least to get him back on the field and get him some reps. So uh, overall, fantastic day for the Cowboys offense. The defense, on the other hand, um, it was a game that they'll probably want to forget. From For all season long, the Cowboys never gave up more than 28 points. This was their first time giving up 30 or more, uh, dating back to last year, late November. Uh, what happened to the Cowboys' defense on Sunday? You know, I think that they... They took a breath. I, I mean, I think that, it, it, you know, look, first of all, the Giants' offense is deceptively talented. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that even without Odell Beckham, they, Cody Latimer is a guy who's starting to break out a little bit. He, I mean, he's really having issues in general, I think, being consistent, but he's starting to figure that out, and he figured out a lot today, it felt like. Um, and, you know, Evan Ingram is still Evan Ingram and uh, is dangerous with the football. Um, I, I think that in the Saquon Barkley is just uh, he's an unbelievable. We're gonna Saquon Barkley is gonna be a headache for a little while, guys. We just need to get used he's to that. And I, I and I think that's really the the biggest thing that we you know have to kind of get realized is that a lot of these missed tackles and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's it's Saquon Barkley. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, right. I can't some some of these missed tackles. You're like, yeah, you shouldn't miss that tackle, but some of them, it's like. Yeah, dude, he's like a bigger Barry Sanders kind of. <laughs> so he's hard to tackle. It's like you, it's hard to get super mad. I mean, you know, so I think that Chris Carson is a guy who we're going to play next week. He's going to run the, the ball hard. Uh, I think the Cowboys mm -hmm. are probably more prepared for a guy who will run the ball hard if they can figure out a way to stop him. I think with Saquon Barkley, it's like you can stop him. You can get him to stop his feet. He, you can get you know penetration and get in the backfield. If you cannot bring him down, which is incredibly difficult to do one on one, he's faster than everyone. You know, so except for apparently Jeff Heath who ran him down. But, but outside right. of that, like I mean, he's going to get around you. He's going to get so he is just an incredibly difficult player to uh, uh, to stop. I think the one thing that the Cowboys did that uh, should not get overlooked as far as uh, Barkley is they did limit him quite a bit as a receiver. 
which I thought was good. They only had four receptions for 33 yards. I mean, that's out of eight targets, so not super efficient. I think only one went for a first down, I believe. Yeah, I mean, so I think that that, on that side, they did a good job. But outside of that, you know, they gave up big plays to Ingram. They gave up several really just outstanding plays by Latimer. You know, like two or three plays where he just made a play that was just, you you know, what are you going to do? One of those kind right, of plays right. where Byron Jones is in excellent position uh, and, and the guy just makes a one-handed grab and is able to reel it in. So I, I think that outside of that, I actually feel like, you know, Byron didn't have a great day, but I thought Awuzie had a, a pretty good day. I mean, we saw his interception in the end zone, which was fantastic. Um, I think he, you know, was able to get his hands on a couple other balls, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that, you know, even though we didn't see a lot of things from Heath, I thought uh, Woods played well in the back end. I think for the linebackers, it's, you know, again, it's difficult because who you're playing against. So Barkley just is is going to make you look bad. He's just one of those kind of, you know, generational talent type players. And I think he is difficult to corral and, and he's going to make, make you look bad. And ultimately, you know, they weren't playing all of their best players throughout the game up front. So the right. the second and third levels, I, I felt bad, even though they, the, even though those guys were playing admirably, uh, 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 you know, on the front line, uh, they weren't playing Collins as much. They weren't Crawford's not in this game, uh, you know. Gregory and Lawrence were had extremely limited reps, so um, I, I think that was a huge part of it, and, and and that makes life difficult for the guys on the specifically the second, but also the third level. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Sean Lee. He played 20 snaps in this game, had three total tackles. I, I don't know anymore. I, 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 I don't think there's any scenario when which I want to take a healthy Leighton Van Der Esch off the field. Lee, I know they want to kind of get him up to speed, but he just doesn't seem like the same player that we saw even earlier in the season. Is that, do you agree with that statement? All right, so I was watching the the game with my mom actually because I'm in town in Dallas and I'm over at my mom's place and she's a big Cowboys fan as well and we're watching and she's like where's where's Sean Lee and it's like the second half and she's like who's Joe Thomas and you know she's a big Cowboys fan but you know doesn't know mm-hmm. the guys who aren't aren't regularly on the field. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm glad Joe Thomas is on the field and it's not Sean Lee because I, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's gotten to the, it's that point now. Unfortunately, with him is that he just he looks confused. He looks uh, he looks, which is crazy to watch, man. Like, I mean, he was the the funny thing is is that there on there was one time when he was in coverage on a, I think it was Gallman at one point. And he was there, or no, it was Shepard. It was Shepard. And he was, and he actually had did his job, but didn't turn around and look for the ball. I mean, he would have had an interception. And like, it felt like younger Sean Lee would have turned around and had that and maybe had a pick six. It just, I don't know what's going on with the guy, but I feel like when he's on the field, he's a liability. I mean, I, I, mean, I hate to be, it's, say it's that. Bad. But the Cowboys are too talented at linebacker to not. To, to have him on the field like Joe Thomas is when he's on the field he you see you see him make plays and, and do stuff and actually you know be a a, a, a a plus on the field as opposed to a liability and I think unfortunately Sean Lee at least half his snaps has become a liability 
Yeah, see, over the last two seasons, he's played just 800 defensive snaps. That's not very many. I mean, it's this isn't a guy that's played a ton of football in the last couple of games, and he's just now getting back from an injury. It's just... I don't know. I mean, sometimes you can just you can just lose it like just like that, and it's kind of sad because Lee has been he's held the Cowboys defense together for so long, and now we're to the point where you don't even need him on the field, and I I just think they're a better defense without him. It's unfortunate, and I wish I wish you could get back that Pro Bowl linebacker, but it just it doesn't seem like he's going to have the juice anymore to to be that player and it, it maybe, feels like a maybe it feels like a gypsy curse it feels like some kind of like crazy really movie storyline it's like oh you suddenly one day what Sean Lee will be the only thing holding your defense together and then the next day it'll be the complete opposite <laughs> it's it, like it's, what it's are so you talking weird. about it's insane and so like the idea that it's it's turned around so severely that like it's like I can't even have Sean Lee on my on my starting 11 anymore is yeah. nuts is nuts so it's I think it's hard for people to wrap their brains around it, but honest to God, that is the NFL nowadays. It happens that fast, and if you're not up in the speed with up to speed with what's going on, you, you, and you're you know one of these older players who relies on being savvy and knowing what's going on, you, you'll fall off a cliff real quick, and, 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 and no one it, it'll it'll happen so fast you won't even notice it. Sean Lee this year has played 218 snaps, just one tackle for a loss. I mean, this is a guy in his prime was averaging that, you know, one at least one per game. Now he has just one in 2018. And that's just, it's just insane to me. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is Jeff Heath. Uh, I, listen, I love Jeff Heath. I've always thought he's been an underrated player. But today I thought he had one of the worst games of his career. He just did not tackle very well. Uh, the Giants kind of targeted him. They thought they had a mismatch with Evan Ingram there, and they clearly did. Are you worried about Jeff Heath going forward? I, I'm not worried about Jeff Heath, I, but I mean, he's replacement level player at, as a starter. I mean, I think you know he's he does he does a great job. I think flowing to the ball as an in the box linebacker type, you know, not linebacker type, but down in the box. Uh, you know, it's it's you know when they play like single safety high or any kind of safety back situation, the linebackers in the box, you're basically operating as a fourth linebacker down there, and right. he does that role well. I feel like, but if he's not going to make all his tackles, if he's you know if we're going to lose something from him as a tackler eventually. Uh, he starts losing his value really quickly because that's where his value lies. He's not fantastic in coverage as a safety. Um, You're he, better off you to know, have Kevon Frazier down in that role. Yeah. Just make him that fourth linebacker. It, if he's not going to be like a guy who's going to consistently tackle, then yeah. I, I think he's a guy that, you know, you could better serve as a third safety. I like him better as the third safety uh, and find a, a, you know, a guy maybe who's a playmaker at the position. Uh, you know, next off season, but for right now, I don't think he's a liability. I think that if anything, he just had a bad game against guys who are better athletes than him when it comes to that sort of thing with Ingram and 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 Barkley. And I did, you know, he's not the only one. I mean, those, those oh, guys no, are incredible. incredible. I mean, he, yeah, he and really Ingram is. is too. You know, and and, and so uh, I think, yeah, I, I, we're gonna see him you know, look a little bit meaner and uh, finish tackles a little bit tougher because he's going to be angry about the situation. I, I think it's going to be a better matchup with him. Again, 
playing a more you know physical running attack because that's what he's co- more comfortable with than what with right. what he saw today. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.